Getting ready for this lesson and looking at it, uh, we had an opportunity to go downtown this week, and uh, we took the teens down by train to go see, well, the city of Chicago. Problem is, is we went down on the day that Lollapalooza started, which brought all sorts of unique individuals to the area, uh, but uh, we were able to go down there. But if you've ever taken the train downtown, we took it from Okina, and uh, take it downtown, and you can take it from Oak Forest and other places like that and end up at the same place, you end up at what is known as the LaSalle Street Station. LaSalle Street Station is the one that uh, comes out right next to probably one of some would suggest one of the most expensive uh, pieces of property in the city of Chicago for the amount of business that's transacted there. That's the Chicago Board of Trade. What most people don't realize is the Chicago Board of Trade is uh, to commodities and farm products like Wall Street is to stocks and bonds. Uh, there are billions of dollars of activity that goes through that building day in and day out. And perhaps, uh, and it's gotten a little less like this, but it is where you have these people that are sitting there yelling at one another in the pit and they're by their hand gestures telling they want to sell or they want to buy and all of this and they're arguing back and forth. And now that with computer technology, that's gotten to be a little bit less. But still, uh, there's much business that goes on there. And to be able to be on the board of trade uh, and to be able to trade there as a company is a, quite a privilege. I remember back in the 1990s, I was working downtown Chicago, uh, at what used to be known as First Chicago Bank in the building there. But uh, I had a friend of mine that actually worked at the board of trade. Uh, he was in college, and he uh, got an internship for a couple of summers to work with one of these companies that's there. And his job was basically to go from the people that are sitting at the computers and take pieces of paper over to the people that were in the pit. If you ever played the board game pit where you're yelling, you know, wheat, 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 hey, 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 and all this, and then you hit the bell. Uh, that's the kind of thing that's going on, but on a grand scale, because you would hand these sheets of paper to people, and they would just have a number or two, but it would mean $5 million dollars. 15 million dollars of things that were wanting to be bought or sold and so you made sure you found the trader there and he would be yelling and whatever else and and this and my friend just commented uh, the two years that he had there it was really exciting because you know you're not having any responsibility you're just merely handing off documents between two individuals and making sure it gets to them and they're yelling about this but what he found was that even though these people were you know able to spend and buy the things all they wanted because of all the work they did. He said, it was a high-stress job. He said, you, you knew that people were taking drugs just to keep up with everything that went on. And at nights, they would go home and, and uh, crash, and they would uh, be involved in uh, just consoling themselves with alcohol to get ready to shore themselves up for the next day of activity because of the millions of dollars that would go through their hands. And if you messed up, you would possibly lose five, $10 million for your company. Uh, and all of this went on. And he just found out after a time that though this is the Chicago Board of Trade and all of this that goes on there, that the people that were there 
you found out for the most part were stressed out and worried uh, and had no real life outside of the board of trade because they worked so hard at what they were doing. And what you have in the book of Ecclesiastes, we've gotten to this point in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 where we're talking about work or labor as it's described by uh, Solomon, the wisest man in the world at the time. Uh, and uh, remember, we're, we're dealing with people's perspective of life under the sun. Solomon is doing an experiment, and so he has the money to do this, and so he's going out and just trying out life as if God doesn't play a role in it, just living life from a perspective of here and now and everything else that goes on. Though at times, as you read through Ecclesiastes, there's little things that burst through where he gives hints of how to live life as if this isn't the only thing. And uh, we've entitled this uh, study, Life with God Under the Sun. Because what you can do is that you can live life under the sun and live as if this is it, or you can live life as, well, a person who realizes there's much beyond this. There's a God who's outside of this, that there's time beyond this uh, life that I'm living here. And so, yes, I will suffer some of the same bad things that happen and the difficulties that everybody else faces, but I'm also living with a different perspective so that I can live life properly. And we had this whole thing about time in chapter 3 where there is a time and season for everything under heaven that there are certain seasons that are going well and certain seasons from a human perspective that aren't going well. But knowing that God's in charge of these, there's a balance to this as they go back and forth and that every season that we have and time in life is because God has given this to us in His divine plan that He is working, especially for believers, working all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Uh, this is uh, what Romans 8 tells us. Uh, we've been doing that study on Sunday mornings in the services. So we get to this point where we're having this uh, study of keeping up with the Joneses. And I, I don't think we're talking about Pastor and, and uh, Pam there uh, when we're talking about this. But this is that statement where people in life spend their time trying to keep up with everybody else or get ahead of everybody else, and it comes down really to how much money they can make at work and how much they can get at work in order for them to look better than somebody else, to be one step ahead. And so we have this statement of keeping up with the Joneses uh, that we use, but it could be keeping up with anybody that may be on your street or in your family or something like that where we live in kind of a, a competition, but it's our work that is defining us. And so it's kind of our, even though we're not really competing with anybody, we're getting in many ways the same paycheck as others would be for the thing, but we're trying to impress everyone else. And so what we find in, in reading through this, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and starting with verse 4, Solomon's looking around again, and he's looking at different things in life, and you have in verse 4, again I considered all travail, or labor as we might put it, and every right work, that for this a man is envied of his neighbor. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. The fool, verse 5, foldeth his hands together and eateth his own flesh. Better is a handful with quietness than both hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. 
And you have here in this notes that work done out of envy will bring you frustration. You know, you're envious of what others have or the like. Or you could put it this way. Envy could be one of two, uh, really, ways to view it in this passage. One is that it could describe the anger of others at your success. Okay, you work really hard, and you do a good job, but everyone else around you is just like, wow, they get all that, and that's not... And so it's really hard to enjoy things, truly, because no one else around you is really excited about the fact that you're prospering, and they're not. And so you can have that kind of thing go on in life, or it is perhaps from your perspective, the motivation that drives you to work more than others. You're looking at others at their land and gold, and you're going, well, I want what they have, so I'm just going to work harder because I deserve those type of things. To live life that way is going to be eventually very frustrating, and we'll have that idea there that if you live life just merely to do that, It is going to be, as it's described there in verse number four, this is vanity and vexation of spirit. Chasing after the wind is the idea of that vexation of spirit. you're, You're not going to get whatever you're looking for. Now, the opposite contrast to that is this, okay? Here I've got all this work that I do and people don't like me for my success and I'm always chasing uh, others and trying to get what they have and all of that, that could be frustrating. So why don't I do the opposite of that? Don't do anything. And as we have in the Scripture here, the Bible calls an individual like that a what? A fool. Okay? You know, you may be a fool working all hard and all this type of thing, but you know what? A person who doesn't do anything's a little bit lower in the category of foolishness in the sense that they are really a fool for what's going on. You see there that this person foldeth his own hands together and eateth his own flesh. I mean, the fool's answer to work is to do nothing. But this leads to self-destruction. In fact, uh, as it looks like here, uh, one has described it, that this person is a self-cannibal. You know, by their inactivity, they're actually eating themselves up. They're bringing about their own destruction bit by bit. Uh, they're bringing themselves hurt in multiple ways because they aren't even able to meet the, the simplest demands of life because they've got nothing. And so then they inflict more pain on themselves trying to uh, gain certain things that they don't have and they haven't worked for. And so a person going, well, you know, there's frustration in doing work, but there's a whole lot more frustration in not doing anything. That's not the answer. And remember, you have to go back to Genesis. God did create work. Mankind was to work in the garden. It got harder because of sin, Genesis chapter 3. But before there was ever sin, God gave people responsibilities. Work is just a part of our our makeup to accomplish things, to do things. So not working kind of goes completely out of what God had originally created us for. But ultimately, you see this. Both sides of labor lead to dissatisfaction. Doing all sorts of work, and I'm going to accomplish all sorts of things, and I'm going to gain all sorts of things. Okay, great, you got stuff. 
You got a title. On the other side, doing nothing. Both of those will bring dissatisfaction. The answer is to work, uh, the answer is work enough to enjoy a little peace. Okay, you go, this kind of sounds a little strange, but this is what Solomon suggests, because in verse 6 you have this better statement. Okay, I'm going to give us, you know, Solomon goes, I'm going to give you a suggestion here. Better it is to have a handful with quietness than both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. There are some people who just simply have an apartment and they have food for the table and they have a few things to enjoy and they don't have all the things to worry about. And you go, well, well, you want the life with a big house and the car and everything else and you want to live life like that. Guess what? You're always worried about things. You have to have security cameras all over the place because someone wants to rob you of the stuff that you have. So now you have to worry about security and safety for your family and your possessions and all of these type of things because someone might, who envies you might want to steal what you have. And what Solomon suggests is, listen, it's not, the answer is not having all the goods in life and getting all of these things. The answer is having just enough and having enough to take care of your daily basic needs. And it goes back to what he's already said a couple of times, that you enjoy what you have to eat and what you have to drink and enjoy your labor because these are the things that God gives to you daily. So enjoy the daily life. But there's a lot of people who are working so hard, they can't enjoy daily life. There's no joy in their life. Uh, and on the other side, you got people who are doing nothing and they can't really enjoy life because they can't, because they don't have any sort of substance to do that. And so basically, as you have this starting statement, is that work sometimes done out of envy will bring you frustration. But verses 7 through 11 brings us to this point that says this, too much work will bring loneliness. Okay, just read through what it has here. Uh, Solomon returns and he looks at, again, these people that are working. He said this, I saw vanity under the sun, this emptiness under the sun. There is one alone, and there's not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother, Yet there is no end of all his labor, neither is his eye satisfied with riches, neither saith he, for whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good? I'm working so hard, uh, I'm bringing sorrow, but what am I doing this for and who am I actually doing it for? This also is vanity, yea, it's sore travail. Verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that's alone when he falleth for he has not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. What you find here is not really an explanation of why this person is alone, but you can come to two conclusions in just looking at this. That some people work so hard they drive everyone away. Their life's their work. They come home. They have nothing to do with family because they've had long hours. They go back to the grindstone again the next day. 
and they may be making thousands upon thousands of dollars every week, but yet they have no real relationships in life. And the ones that God kind of has established, uh, especially their families and their community, they have nothing to do with because they're so focused on achieving a position in society, in their job, in their work, that they actually miss out on the fact that there are people that you ought to be having fellowship with. God created us for fellowship with him, but as a part of that, it's going to be that we're going to fellowship with those that are in the image of God. They have friendship with them. But there are some people that they work so hard that they drive everyone away. On the other hand, there's others that work so hard but have no one with whom to share her. No, they're working really, really, really hard and, and, you know, they're... It's not that they've ever really had family, but they've got all these riches, and, you know, you have these stories of individuals who, you know, at times, you know, are multi-billionaires, and they just kept it in their sock drawer, and then they die, and everyone's like, wow, I never knew that person even existed. Uh, They lived in their house, and that's all they did. They never talked to anybody, and, you know, they, they happened to have, you know, a gazillion dollars. There are other people that are like that in life. Achieving uh, a lot of things in, in work at the loss of working with others, fellowshipping with others, doing things with others, is a real loss. And the illustration that uh, he gives is that work is best done with and for others. You know, I... I'm going to tell a story about you real quick, but I don't think you'll mind. Um, You know, Gracie plays the piano. I think you know that. Um, And she does that, but part of what she likes as far as what she's doing now, I mean, she can do piano performances and the like and things like that, but she's in a thing called collaborative piano. You go, what's that? Uh, You're accompanying other people. You go, why would you want to do that? Well, it does help earn a living a little bit easier than trying to get performances. But on the other part of it, it's just an opportunity to work with people, to be with people. There's a lot of these people who are concert musicians that are some of the loneliest people in the world because all they do is practice, 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 and then they perform and everyone applauds them and they go back to practicing again and they really don't know anybody. You know, our work is uh, to be done when we do it to best. It's best done with and for others. I mean, granted, you may be accomplishing things that are going to help mankind, and that requires some of you working by yourself, okay? It's okay to be an introvert sometimes, okay? Not all of us have to be extroverts and talking to everyone and shaking their hands and everything, but, but there is an element of life that we still need to be working with and for others, The illustrations he gives at the end there uh, is this, that others can bring uplifting. Here you have this person who's walking along, and they fall, and they can't get up. You know, they've fallen down some sort of cliffside, and they need someone to reach down a stick or something to help pull them up and, and that type of thing. Well, if that person was by themselves, they would stay there forever and die. And you have these uh, instances even this summer of individuals that go out walking by themselves and fall off the trail, and it takes them about three months to find them uh, finally that they fell off the cliff. There's no one else around to help. Uh, you have the, the illustration of uh, two people bringing heat. 
And the idea is there that, you know what? There are certain illustrations at times where people get trapped out in the wilderness. And, I, you know, I've read the one story years ago about these guys who gut the, they kill an elk and they're out in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness and they both get in there and they keep warm, just staying together. You know, if they had been by themselves, they probably would have died, but at least they had enough heat to keep them warm. You say, that's help. Even a little bit of warmth in life. And then the third thing here is that they can provide protection. You know, you go by yourself uh, in some streets and people go, ha, ah, Target. Two of you? Well, you know what? Someone might actually be able to they keep me from doing things. Three of you? Well, that's a crowd. All right? You know, and so no one that's a criminal is probably going to mess with you because they're afraid that one of those people may have something to protect themselves with, and so they don't bother groups of individuals. They usually bother individuals. And so what Solomon's going is, okay, it's better for you to, to be doing things with people and working with people because there's a lot of benefit in life for it rather than just doing things for yourself. And so too much work will bring loneliness in the sense that if you're not viewing your work in the proper way, that's about people, not so much about product. But then thirdly, you have this, is working for people's favor can be a fickle pursuit. If you're living life to gain favor with people, if you look at life, favor doesn't last that long. Illustration given there in verse number 13, better is the poor and a wise child than the old and foolish king who will be no more admonished. For out of prison he cometh the rain, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. I considered all the living which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand up in his stead. There's no end of all the people and even all that they have been before them. They also that come after shall not rejoice in him. They're not going to be happy with him. They're not going to favor that person. And then it ends with this. Surely this is also vanity and vexation of spirit. What you have is this illustration that excuse me, Solomon as being a king and dealing with other kingdoms had seen multiple times even in his own life. Was Solomon the first child? If I remember correctly, it's like child number six or seven of David, and yet he becomes king. You're going, well, why was it the first one and the second one? Well, because those people really weren't favored like they thought they were going to be. And you even have some that curry and attempt to gain favor in the life of Solomon. Remember Absalom, man who had all the hair, you know, everything like that. And everyone's like, oh, wow, he's so handsome. You know, he's got this really long hair and whatever. And, and so people follow him because he's kind of a manipulator. But uh, he falls out of favor real quick when he gets caught in a tree and everyone runs off. You have Adonijah who is trying to make himself king as David's dying and he gathers a bunch of people around him and it looks like he's about to be king and all of a sudden uh, there's a trumpet that blows out of the temple uh, and the king's palace and there's this announcement, long live the king. And Adonijah suddenly realizes, uh-oh, and everyone runs off from him uh, because they realize someone else has been made king before Adonijah was. And so it is that Solomon saw in life that people who are gaining or trying to gain favor, it can quickly switch over to somebody else, someone you would never even expect. You kind of have a hint of Joseph here. Here you've got a person who's in prison who suddenly becomes king. 
you're not thinking a prisoner is going to become king, you know. That's not a person that's really in favor, but suddenly he's in favor. Well, what about all the other people that were in court that have been trying to curry the favor all those years? They, they don't gain the favor. And so position in society is not a guaranteed status. You know, if, you, if you're trying to gain fame and gain uh, all this in life, you're going to be very dissatisfied. If you sit and read any newspapers or, or, or that's, you know, getting to be more dated now. But if you read the uh, things going on in the news, you're finding over and over again these individuals that call themselves influencers that are trying to influence people towards a certain idea and a certain product, and they're doing things like this, and this is their job as they sit in front of a TV camera, uh, in front of their computer, and they're, they're trying to get people to, to watch them, and they get, you know, a million followers and two million followers and all of this, and and then you find that they commit suicide. And you go, why? Well, because I suddenly lost 100,000 people because I said one wrong word, and everyone's unhappy with me, and they commit suicide. And what they're finding is that, great, favor is not something that lasts very long. You can work really, really hard for it and gain it, and it's gone in an instant. And so it is people work to gain favor in their company and in their society, and they're thinking, wow, this is going to be really great. I'll be known. Five minutes later, no one cares. I mean, favor does not always fall to the expected person, nor is it able to be kept. So you work really hard to to get the, the awards, and, you know, next year there'll be a different award given to somebody else, and you'll be the one who's not the, the greatest person anymore. And now, okay, now what am I going to do in life that I'm not the most important person in the company and everything like that? I'll give you one example of this, and we'll close, okay? Can you think of a person who was favored and within a week was not favored? Okay? Just put it this way. Example of fickle favor, the crowd Susanna's followed a week later by crucify him. They're wanting to call him king. Save now, save now, thou son of David, the king of Israel. And some of those same people in the crowd a week later are yelling, put him on a cross, get rid of him. You're kind of going, well, this is the son of God the greatest human being to ever walk the face of the earth, and yet when it came to favor of the crowd, it was fickle. So if you're working in life to gain people's favor and trying to impress them and trying to keep that, you're going to find you're chasing the wind. So you get to the section. Ecclesiastes 4, it's just basically talking about work. Are you trying to impress people? Are you trying to gain everything? Not going to get it. So just enjoy what God gives to you. I mean, work, but not work to gain all the possessions of the world. Work to get what you need and enjoy that. And then enjoy those that you're working with. Enjoy those that you're around, your family. I mean, those are obviously ones you need to have relation with. And enjoy them. And don't be trying to curry favor the world because if you do, you will, yeah, you'll never find it. And so this is kind of Solomon's advice, though, in a negative way of how to do work. How important is it that I succeed and how to, uh, to gain everything? And the answer is, well, don't worry yourself too much about it. Have the balance that you need to have.
that you aren't going to gain the whole world. Sometimes people gain the whole world and they do what? They lose everything else, family and even their own soul. So let's remind ourselves of this uh, as uh, we go through Ecclesiastes. All right, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the time this morning, the reminder. We're never going to achieve everything we want to achieve uh, and we'll never gain the world's favor. So let us be satisfied with what you give to us, the obvious relations that you've had us put in. May we strive uh, to do what we need to do to meet just the daily demands of life and also be able to minister to others. So Lord, help that to be our goal. We'll find true satisfaction. There's a permanency, an eternal an eternality in living life like that because the only thing that actually goes to heaven is people. And so, Lord, may we uh, be individuals that are more concerned about the individuals that we're with and working with than achieving great fame and status. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.